Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is your host, Todd Stewart. We have another episode of In the Know, a dispatch-powered podcast. So for today's episode, we have Kelsey Stewart coming on the show, the CEO of Bloomin' Blinds, incredible company. He talks about how he improves customer engagement, how he thinks about franchisee engagement, and most of all, Bloomin' Blinds was just put on the Franchise 500 list. So we talk about that, what it means to him and his company. So let's get this episode started with the CEO of Bloomin' Blinds, Kelsey Stewart. Customer experience is your brand. All about the interaction that a customers customer are not has just customers. They can the kind of experience they you give to people. That's what they're going. Amazon to wants you to buy something. A warranty company wants their contractors. Customer to do experience. Work. You know, it really is how your brand gets projected out in, into the world. All right, we're live. Uh, Kelsey, how you doing today? Today is a great day. Thanks yeah. for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. Of course, of course. So uh, Kelsey is the CEO of Bloom and Blinds. And before we begin, Kelsey, I really have to congratulate you on the Fortune 500. Um, that is awesome stuff. Awesome. Thank you. How's uh, what 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 does this mean for you? What does this mean for the company? Um, take take me through some of that. Yeah. So. The Fortune 500 is kind of the crown jewel of the franchise lists, right? And, and everyone likes to be picked and be popular and be recognized. Um, this particular one means a lot to us because um, it kind of feels like we've arrived a little bit. Um, we're, a, we're a still a relatively small brand in the franchise space, you know, um, not quite an unknown player, but we're not, we're not a national brand or a household name by any means. And so to be, to be on the list of, you know, amongst the, the biggest and the best, whether it's because we're up and coming or because, you know, others are established, that part's really nice. Um, yeah. the, the other part is that it's exciting because it was, um, like they kind of found us. Um, we are not a company that spent a lot of time or resources on self-promotion. Uh, we don't have a PR firm. We're not shouting from the hilltops how cool we are. And so for entrepreneur to kind of, uh, you know, bring us on and, and, and recognize what we're doing without that self-promotion uh, kind of validates all the work that we're putting in every day. Yeah, totally. Totally. So what, what do you think the other 499 franchises can learn from you? You said like you're, you're, you know, you're, you aren't the biggest player in the space, but yet you're recognized. And again, like you didn't go out and get this spot yourself. Like they came and they found you. So obviously you're doing something right. Yeah. And I wish I knew the magic formula because I'd probably bottle it up and sell it. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, we, we run an old school business. Uh, you know, we, we do what we say we're going to do. We, we do our very best to deliver as, as intended and set proper expectations. Um, I, I don't know what everyone else should do different. I can tell you what we've done is simply really invest in our franchise owners who really care about how they're doing. Um, grow, grow purposefully and slowly so that it didn't get out of control and we didn't lose service or connection with our group. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's always a bit of magic that comes with any businesses that succeeds, you know, you can write the best plan and you can have the best people, but sometimes just hard work and good luck goes a long way too. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, for us, um, I don't know, just, you know, do what you're supposed to and, and do what you promise and, you know, we've always had a phrase, this used to be on my wall in the office. It said, if you take care of the customer, the money will follow. Yeah, totally. And, and in this case, our, you know, our franchise owners are our customers and, and then they take care of their customers as it, as it goes down the chain. Mm. So if, if you do that, it should work well. 
Yeah. And this is, so this is what I'm like thrilled to, to talk about with you because it's, it's not like you're just selling a widget that's going to a customer and you're done. You have multiple parties in play here with the franchise owners and the customers and, and it's, it's, it's more complex, um, especially being, you know, the, the owner of, of the, the larger franchise. So, um, I, I like that, you know, you're, you're pretty gritty. Like it's just, we, you, you get things done. You say we set the expectations and, and we meet them. Um, so let's, let's go into some of your principles. Um, because I, I, I have a feeling you have some, some real great ideas that people can find refreshing, uh, and also they can apply to their own business. So, um, to talk to me about like some of the principles that you have for, uh, you know, just creating great customer experiences for your customers. Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you meet, how do you meet those? Right. So as I said a second ago, like my customers are the franchise owners and their customers are the actual people that we service. But the, the philosophy on how that's obtained and, and how you do it well is kind of universal. And it's even universal within industries. You know, I don't care if you're selling ice cream or blinds. Um, all of the stuff that we learned came from doing it in the field. Before we were the franchise, we were a small family business just grinding it out every day. Mm-hmm. And, and we always found our success uh, through a lot of clean, honest communication, right? Like even if you screw up, you still got to communicate your way through it. That's the best way to handle things. Um, of course, if things are going well and you're still a great communicator, that only makes things better. Um, so being, um, it's, it's the reliability, it's mm-hmm. the communication. Um, a real lost art, I feel like in today's world is, over explaining the expectations. Mm. Uh, we see a lot, even with our owners, we struggle with this in training and coaching is it's so easy when somebody says, yes, I'll buy to stop right there. Mm. And to make sure that they, the customer ends up with a full and happy experience and to make sure that you don't get yourself in hot water inadvertently. It's really important to over explain what's going to go on because any sort of hidden nuance or detail can really mess up the experience, even if it was unintended, you know, even if you weren't being malicious or sneaky. Yeah, totally. Do you, do you find with, with you it's, uh, and just the nature of bloom and blinds, cause it's, it's more service than anything that, um, that that's why like over explaining expectations is really important because there's a lot of things that go in into service. Yeah. Well, so, so the truth is, I mean, the service is the service part of our business is more about the, the process in which things are done. We are a product supply company, right? People are buying window coverings from us and then we're coming back and installing them. So the, the need to over explain or be really technical about it is because when you put this product in a house, so I'd say it's more product than service, Mm -hmm. at least in this particular category. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if a homeowner is thinking that it's going to make the room totally dark. So they say, look, I want the room dark. And you say, great, I've got this blackout shade. And then you go put it in and there's light that's bleeding around the edges. If that homeowner actually meant, I want this room pitch black, but they just said, I want the room dark. Mm-hmm. That's going to create a problem. Mm-hmm. You, we still put in the product they picked, but it wasn't the end result in which they were expecting or, or desiring. Yep. And so sometimes it's a vocabulary issue. You know, yeah. maybe as an industry, we use terms that 
that other people don't really know what they mean to us or, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So you, you really got to flush out all of the hidden expectations, all the previous experiences. Um, and, and you do that so that you can find the hidden goals or the, the hidden ideas that didn't come out in the initial conversation. Yeah, totally. How do you, how do you do that? Because that's, that's actually something that my whole career and I know many other people have struggled with is that they get, they get stuck in the like industry jargon, industry terms, and it doesn't make sense to any of the customers um, that they serve. So how do you, how do you like balance that line between sounding, uh, you know, like, you know, exactly what you're talking about and you're also talking on the same level as the customer so that they understand you. Well, I think you, first off, you got to handle things with an educational perspective instead of a sales perspective. Mm -hmm. We've always really focused on uh, the, the idea that if we teach our customers uh, about these products, because we, we assume that most people don't know in depth about window coverings, um, and you, you kind of head into it with an educational mindset, you're not going to skip corners. You're not, you're not going to just jump into the sales process or grab their money when they say yes and stop teaching. If you're always a teacher, you're always teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, the other part is you've like, I always use the analogy. I, I want to treat my customers and I want them to view me as if like, I'm some guy that comes over on Saturday and throws darts in the garage. <laughs> Love like, it. right. Like, so I just want to be that neighborhood guy. We put our lawn chairs out front. The kids are riding bikes in the front. I want that comfortability. I want that peer nature. And, and so between as a teacher and then just thinking them of them as buddies, I don't have to get all tied up in the jargon. I can just have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes, again, not just our industry, but I think a lot of people try and over-impress or try and work too hard to sound smart. And you lose a lot of things, including relate, relatability and maybe some of the translation between terms when you get a little over-technical. Totally, totally. Is how do you like, I, I love that philosophy that, you know, throw the lawn chair in the driveway and everybody's coming by and you're just right. We all know that neighborhood. Person. Totally. Totally. How, how do you, um, get others in, in the company to also have that same mentality or at least your franchise franchisees? The only thing that I can do because I, I can't make everybody do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we try and explain how well it worked for us in the past. We lead the entire company top to bottom with that mentality. That's how we work with our guys. And that's how that's the relationship we have. Um, and, and then we try and explain to them and help them understand that, man, don't you wish that if some, you know, some guy who came to your house selling stuff, what if he would have acted that way? Mm -hmm. Would you have appreciated that? Would you have liked it? So lead by example, and then try and help them experience it for themselves or imagine that they got to experience it and how, how nice that would have been. Mm -hmm. And when you, if you can do that, then it kind of helps sink in a little bit more. Yeah. And then at, at what point, so I, I think it's, it's very interesting that, you know, you, you were a small business running this, you know, just, just, just you guys, just, you said family operation early. At what point did you decide to franchise it? So that it was, um, the idea of franchising was about 10 years before it ever happened. And I grew up in a family where my parents were always entrepreneurs, but they were always the ones with the cash register, theoretically or literally. Mm -hmm. And, and so growing up in a business, I was always wanting to 
try and find a way where I wasn't in that same position. I loved the idea of business and being in business. Um, but I knew that if we didn't create an empire, I would be 80 years old at the register. Mm-hmm. And growing up in a family business and really liking that, I mean, I, I'd literally work shoulder to shoulder with my brothers. Um, in any given day, we're eight feet apart most of the day. And that's taken time to get good at. Mm-hmm. But um, it, the, the time came 2010, 2011. So right after the recession, uh, money started coming back into the market and we started growing really quickly. And the conversation became, okay, what are we going to do to maximize this, this surge? Are we going to set up corporate stores in different cities and send a, each brother or each family member to different parts of the, the, you know, the world and split it all up? Or do we franchise it and teach other people how to do what we do? And because we're a family unit and we didn't want to split it up, um, it made a lot more sense to us to franchise it. Interesting. So that was, that was essentially the, the pivot point. But you thought about this well before. Well, there was always a thought and a question on how do we grow beyond what we already are? Yeah. And, and so that, at least I had that desire. At that point, my, my parents or my mom in particular was still in charge of the company. And being at the helm and being a one-woman show was all what she already knew. So she wasn't an active thought of it, but I was because I wanted to, I wanted to grow past that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. And now here you are on the, yeah, on the franchise 500 list. I know. Love it. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. We sit back, you know, on a, on a Friday like this, you know, um, pour a drink and throw our feet up and we're like, like how the hell did we get here? <laughs> and, and some days you're just overwhelmed because yeah. it's so busy and other days you just sit back and you're like i couldn't have drawn this if i tried to yep yep well hey this is exactly why we're having you on the show is because you had that that line of you know what was it please the customer and the money follows or, or how was it take Put care the of the customer, customer. take care yeah, of the customer take care of the customer the money will follow yeah and so with with some of the principles like you already talked about like clean and honest communication reliability over explaining expectations are there any are there any principles that um, you wish you learned earlier? Hmm. Yeah. So this is m- not so much about this particular business, but I think any business owner that listens to this, this uh, recording can probably understand. I started off leading the business thinking that I was building towards freedom. And what I did is I built the system to rely on me. I built the entire system so that I was the only one that had the keys. Mm. And it was such a pivotal mistake or a, a tremendous mistake that took a pivotal moment. But um, while we were growing and while we were getting bigger and, and feeling more important, I was getting more and more buried because I couldn't let go of the control or I couldn't envision building a system that didn't require me, even though in my mind or out loud, that's what I was saying what I wanted. I was saying that I was building for freedom, but I was actually building the exact opposite. I was building a cage that required my presence every day. Mm. Is, and, it because, is it because you just knew everything that was going on and, and had a hand in everything or like well, what, what caused that? So many owners, and I hear, I hear franchise owners say this, and I have friends who own businesses that say this, and I said it myself. I could get it done twice as fast as trying to teach somebody. Yeah. And that, between that and pride and control issues, 
most entrepreneurs struggle with summer, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And you just, you feel like I'm so busy. I could just knock this out right now because by the time I hire somebody, train them how to do it, manage what they're doing, making sure they don't screw it up. And then I know they're only going to do it half as good as I do. Mm-hmm. You know, that feels like such a longer process and you forget that that frees you up to do the more important things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. I wish I would have learned that a long time ago. Mm. Um, and it, it, it honestly took a point to, it was my wife that kicked me in the tail. And, you know, I was working from basically 7 a.m. to 1 in the morning. Wow. Um, wow. And, and she said, look, this is, not, this is not the life we need to live. Yeah. And, and at that point, because she threw such a fit, uh, it kind of shook me out of my days. And, I, and we had to start creating solutions that didn't ruin my marriage. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when it began to get better. And then it became addictive. You're like, hell, now I don't have to do anything. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you can go fishing off of the coast of Florida and catch a hundred pound plus fish. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, for you, for everybody listening, Kelsey and I were catching up on, on fish stories before the recording. So that probably doesn't make any sense, but that's where it comes from. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. This one's for us, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so now, you, you know, you're, you're running a successful franchise. You have multiple locations. Um, you the cus- customers are happy. Uh, le- I want to talk a little bit about how you, how you keep your franchisees happy. Um, and how you engage them. And so are, are there anything, is there anything specific that you do to, to make sure that you, you I, I kind of hear you saying a little bit about this, but keeping that small intimate feel um, of that small company as you scale up and as you bring on more locations, like how, how do you, how do you do that? Intentionally and slowly. Um, there's, there's a lot of little pieces. So to kind of fill in the piece, we, we want our customers, whether they be the, the retail customers or our franchise owners, we want everyone to feel like they're dealing with a family company, but we want to have the sophistication, the processes, the efficiencies, the uh, consistency of a true world-class company. And it's a bit of a blend because you, you've got to put on a show in one direction, but then fill out the infrastructure in a different um, that, that kind of stuff's really important to us. It's always been how we built our business, so it's a bit of second nature. But in terms of doing it on the franchise side, the one thing that, that really aids to it is being available and being supportive. Um, we've built a system and a culture within our franchise where we are available nearly on demand. When our franchise owners need something, they're not calling a call center or getting an account rep. They're literally calling our cell phones and asking for help. Mm-hmm. And... And as the business progresses and as we scale, um, the three of us that, that they bought into, um, we're going to stay on the phones and handle those calls as, as long as we can. As long as we can continue to give good service and be responsive, we'll build the company behind us or, or underneath us to fill in the admin roles. But maintaining that personal connection with our franchise owners um, really goes to leaving them the feeling like we're still in the on the ground with them. We're still in the trenches. We're still, you know, putting on the fight with them. And that way there's not a big separation between, Oh, this big giant corporation in an ivory tower and us little, you know, franchisees who suffer, you know, the, the perils of war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're all in it together. Um, 
that, you know, service and, and responsiveness is one thing. Um, consistency, clear communication. Uh, we try really hard to listen to them. Yeah. There, you know, the, because we have a really intimate relationship with our franchise owner, there's a lot of communication back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I were talking earlier about, um, you know, the analogy of a, of a cruise ship. It's, it's kind of like, you know, we're all on this big giant cruise ship and we all feel like it's going in the right direction and, and, you know, everyone's having a good time and stuffing themselves at the buffet, but we like to come out of the bridge. We like to come down and have dinner with our franchisees. Like it's imagine if you've been on a cruise ship and the captain came down and just hung out and had dinner with everybody. Yeah. Be awesome. Uh, it, never, it's that, re- I, it's that it, it probably never happens though, but no, it, it, it would certainly be awesome. doesn't. Yeah. Right. Well, and the, the downside to that and what the captain would have to be willing to weather to make that work is he'd have to hear about the toilet that backed up or he'd mm-hmm. have to hear about, you know, how it sucks that we had a rainy day on one of my vacation days or, you know, can you please make the kids shut up at the adult deck? You know, like you, when you, when you get involved with the day-to-day participants of your business, you have to be willing to take the highs and the lows. And, and we are, we're willing to get in, you know, waist deep, and not just take the good, not just take the royalties, but we get in there and we work for them and we listen to them and we know that we can't be successful without them being in love with what they do and who they're with every day. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that um, that has a, a, a large part in having you have a consistent brand regardless of location. Yeah, that's, well, and it's a challenge too because, you know, as people who come into a franchise organization, have a bit of an independent or or entrepreneurial spirit. And so hopefully most of them feel like if they, if they stick with brand consistencies, things will go better. But Mm -hmm. there's always this wild hair that every business owner has that says, well, maybe I could try this or maybe I could do it better this way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and trying to give, you know, enough personal freedom where they don't feel stifled or choked out or, um, you know, naturally put up a resistance, but then still say, okay, look, here's the deal. Here's the confines of what we can do. Please stay within that. It's, um, it's the same theory I use with my kids. I'm not saying my franchisees are children, (laughs) but kids thrive in an area where they know where their boundaries are. Yeah. You know, you take, you take a small child and you put them in the middle of a field and they're scared and they don't know what to do. You put them in the middle of a playground and say, don't go beyond these railroad ties or these boundaries. Mm-hmm. And they'll run around and play and have a blast because there's this, there's this border that says, hey, you're safe inside here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they it's, get to go play on any equipment they want to. So I, I, I love that you, you talk about like not, not treating the customer as an account number. You know, like I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I contact companies, franchises, non-franchises all the time. And I'll get an email back saying, thank you for your request. Like, here's your ticket. You are number like one, two, three, four. And there we go right there. All of a sudden they put a number on me and, and it does not feel personal at all. Um, and, and you talk about, and we've, we've mentioned this in the past is like, as, as you scale the company and, and as it grows, um, you know, not having customers feel like an account number. Um, uh, take, take me through kind of that, that thought process for how, how you're going to do it as you scale. Um, and like, how, you, how do you do it now? 
so when we again before we were franchise um i had this term that i used all the time i don't even know if it's a real word but it's called the uncontractor and i really wanted us to act and 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 treat people with the exact opposite of all those negative stereotypes that you hear right so even on a corporate level you just mentioned a help ticket and now you're just a number right mm-hmm. That's such a missed opportunity by companies. You could still have a help ticket and you could still have an internal number, but you don't need to put that in the face of your customers. So it's the way you do it is you just try and remain personable. You just mm-hmm. try and remain, you know, you stay the buddy in the garage that throws the darts. Yeah. You and and it takes a little bit more work. Um it creates a bit more creativity or it requires a bit more creativity. Um, and it, it really is just going to resonate. The only way you can keep it, especially as a scale is if you really mean it mm-hmm. and, and you work to find solutions that maintain that feeling versus taking the easy road and creating automation processes that are cold and impersonal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I like that you said that cause I, I do hear a lot, like, how do we automate things? And this is just like, I'll go to, I'll go to a conference and the whole conference is all about that automation. And then they say, well, how do we keep it personal when we automate? And it's like, well, like, I guess there's a little, you know, middle ground in this, but there are very conflicting ideas here. (laughs) The time it takes to be personable versus the long-term rewards. It's an easy decision. If you, if you believe that it's going to work benefit in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of the, of the companies out there, like you know, if it could be anybody, any any company. What which brand do you think does a really great job at that? At staying personable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Could be small. Could be big. It does. It doesn't matter. I'm probably a bad one for that because I I live in my little bubble. <laughs> uh, I know that recently. I mean, it could be a, it could be a, I, I mean, it could be as small as like a local shop in your town. Yeah. I, so I might, I'm, I'm sitting right next to my brother, right? Cause we work eight feet apart. Yeah. And he had some Facebook post um, that he replied to. And instead of getting some corporate thing, like he got a, like a really fun kick-ass kind of response. And it was clear that, you know, whoever was watching that social account really just, decided to let their personality come alive. Mm. Um, I think we do a good job of it. Yeah. Yeah. But be, I mean, like really, I, I hate to mess up your podcast, but I'm a terrible example of that. No. I'm not the, I'm not the consumer. I sit here, I work, I play with my kids. I play with my franchisees. I drink too much. I, and, <laughs> and then I get up and I do it tomorrow. Do, don't, do not apologize because that, that is actually like something I think people overlook is, is that social brand, uh, the social personality. I think, and I, I experienced this too, when, when all of a sudden a business responds back to me and they do have that fun, pithy, uh, either tone or it's, it's just an, an, it's a little bit out of the norm type of response. I actually really appreciate it. And, and I like that a lot. Yeah. And, and so that kind of resonates with how we want to be as a company. Mm -hmm. Um, so here's a, here's a good example of how we're going to get ourselves in trouble someday. <laughs> on the back of our vans, it says caution blind person driving. 
right? We're a blind company. And, uh, okay. It took, it, yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't lie. It took me a second. It's okay. I said it kind of quick. So <laughs> we're a blind window covering blind company. And on the back of the van, it says caution blind person driving. Yep. Yep. Right. <laughs> and you know that it's kind of like that quirky willingness to be like in today's world, that's highly offensive. Like mm-hmm. that's a giant no, no. And no major corporation would, would do that. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everyone's playing it so safe and it's so watered so down safe. We, but yep. we're all a bunch of individuals and we like i i scratch my head at how it's gotten so bad so fast and i'm sure it's just lawsuits that create you know a financial incentive to just not do anything fun mm-hmm. 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 It, but it's it, it's it's not the way we want to lead our company we are a bunch of regular people with a really good idea yeah. And yeah. and we never want to let go of the idea that we're regular people. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely love that. And, um, and you know, I, I don't know exactly what in, what went into the fortune 500, but I can bet a, 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 a bit of that is the whole idea that you are keeping it, keeping the company, uh, you know, the, the feeling of regular people as it grows. Well, there's, Here. yeah. And I do agree with you that, you know, we're still pretty small, right? And in the franchising world, 45 locations or 45 owners is, we're still guppies. And so when people come on board, they're not buying the brand yet, right? Like when I bring in a new franchise owner, this is probably the first time they've ever heard of Bloom and Blinds. It's not like they see one on every street corner. And so when they're coming in, that's, we get a lot of response about how like they're buying us. They're buying the interactions that we have over our phone calls and in person. And they're loving the fact that it's not some starchy corporate uh, sales guy from Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. What, um, you know, as, as we wrap up everything, what, what are you, what's exciting you about you know, 29 or 20, I, I just said 2019, we're still in the beginning of 2020. Um, what's, what's exciting you about, you know, this year? What are you looking forward to the most? So I feel like we're just starting to hit our stride in a good way. Um, if I were to relate this to how people grow up, I, I feel like we're probably like just coming out of high school. You know, I don't know if you remember those moments where you're, you know, 22 years old, you're in college or maybe 21, 22 years old, you're in college. You like, you, you've got this adult ability, but you don't have a ton of responsibilities yet. And the, mm-hmm. the world hasn't gotten too complicated, but yet you can do whatever you want. We're, we're kind of in that growth stage where we've got our systems and processes down really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the next stage for us is kind of fulfilling what I was talking about earlier, where you don't build the business to rely on you. So the next big stage for us is, is growing internally, bringing on, uh, support teams behind us so that we can, that we can do more, grow faster. Right now, the company's three brothers. It's all, it's three of us working at the speed of 20 people. And this year should be the year where we start to really look at bringing on people who can pick up some of that, some of that weight so that the business doesn't depend on us every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's going to be really exciting. Uh, I, I expect we'll have another strong year of growth. I bet we bring on another 20 franchise owners. Um, and so, you know, that's always fun because you get to be a part of people's dreams and and excitement. Totally. But from a corporate level, um, it's making sure that we don't build the business that, that, that kind of puts us in a cage. It it actually is building towards the freedom that we desire. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Well, uh, well, Kelsey, this, this has been a great, great episode. Um, really love the insight, appreciate your time. And again, major congrats on the franchise 500. Like that, that is awesome. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. It's, um, it's been a long time coming. We've been on all kinds of their other lists. Kind of felt like we got snubbed in the past. So uh, (laughs) maybe this is our year. Exactly. 2020. Here we go. That's right. Uh, All right. Awesome. Really appreciate it. You bet. My pleasure. You guys are great. Thanks for having us on. So if you want to learn more about customer experience, head over to the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me. Remember to subscribe to In The Know on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, or really wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. As always, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next episode.